VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and I thank you for joining us. I'm particularly excited this week because I'm joining the studio by uh, two of my favorite podcast contributors. That's right. It's James Scowcroft and Matthew Side. No, it's Julian Lawrence and Alison Rudd. I really like the other guys too. I like everybody equally. I, I like to think that they're all they're all my children. Later on, we delve into the championship. Yes, a rare foray down under because Allison was actually in Cardiff on Friday night where there was a football match between the teams of Cardiff City and Wolverhampton Wanderers. But let's get real. There's really only one place to start and that's in Manchester. Alison, the cover of uh, uh, the game insert on Monday, I think, is really, really, really cool. It's like Pep Guardiola in in triplicate, incidentally wearing a um, this kind of gray long sleeve top that actually makes him look more buff than he than he really is, and he's just kind of screaming in agony. And beneath that, it says, "What's happening?" It's got this blue theme. It it kind of encapsulates it really, really well. I have to ask, what is happening? Because I actually went back and I looked at this. Oli Kay writes about this today as well, right? Pep Guardiola has conceded three goals in under 20 minutes, an inordinate number of times in his managerial career. It happened when he was at Bayern against Real Madrid, happened when he was at Bayern against Barcelona, it happened against freaking Leicester last year, it obviously happened, as you know well, in just nine minutes against Liverpool, it happened again against Liverpool last week. And then it happens against Manchester United. I, I know there's other teams that have conceded three goals in a very short period of time, but this isn't supposed to happen. Any theories, any ideas? Well, um, Oliver Kay makes the analogy with boxing that if you are a highly tuned boxer who just wins and wins and wins and often wins on points and is regarded as elegant perhaps, if he gets floored by a punch that he wasn't expecting and because he doesn't get floored very often maybe that just rocks the team so much they they're dizzy for a bit he mentions one of the greatest boxers of all time joe lewis is is wonderfully pithy quote where he says everybody has a plan until they get hit and i think we need to give credit to ollie and especially to the legendary joe lewis if you strive for perfection and we know that pep is a perfectionist 
and everything is planned out. You know how you respond to the opposition having possession. You know how you respond to the opposition having a foray forward. And it cracks. Something, if something perfect cracks, the crack will be deeper and sharper and perhaps shatter. That seems to me what Ollie Kay's theory is to why this is happening, why those stats you just eloquently outlined about those spurts of, if they concede, they're quite likely to concede quite a lot in a short space of time, which does imply a shattering of confidence, positioning, the adherence to a plan. I mean, if you're, that, if you're a perfectionist manager... You have to make sure your players buy into what you believe in and they have to concentrate. City are lots of things this season, but what is impressive about them is how they do concentrate and they, they keep it going. If you, you know, it's like if you're driving and you see something, you know, you, you see something out the window and you stop, you just stop concentrating, bad things will happen. You sort of feel maybe he doesn't prepare them for those bad moments. Right, I'm trying to extrapolate your argument then. Is the implication that... Other teams can perhaps get away with being less concentrated um, than than City, and City are either need to be fully concentrated or otherwise really bad things happen. No, well, no, in, Is it, that what you're no, not, well, not really. I mean, I think other teams are more used to things going wrong. Other teams don't require perfection. Other teams have in their game plan. You know, managers will say, "If we go a goal down, we'll do this." City don't. City want to set the agenda and be them. They don't really buy into plan B, C and D if things go horribly wrong. So they're left they're left looking stranded. Okay, but Julian, they're two nil up. And they're used to being two nil up. And then they can see the goal. No biggie. It's happened before. You're still two one up. I mean surely that's not catastrophic conceiving conceding a goal at two one up. It's perhaps what happens next, right? Or I mean yeah, what do you make I of think... the K Rudd theory? No, no, I think I think it's a team, because Pep is such a control freak and everything is so detailed, there are players that don't know what to do when they're on the back foot. When you're on the front foot and when you have the ball and you know exactly what to do, so when your left back does this, you do this, and when Aguero comes in, you do this, etc. Like Alison said, a lot of things is planned. When it's not in the plan, I think a lot of them are not really sure what to do anymore. That doesn't excuse why you don't track a run from Pogba or why you you know your marking is loose on the smalling goal I give you that but I do think and you see they got six yellow cards after the, after the hour on Saturday they lost their mind completely they made some silly fire I mean Gabriel Jesus you have some silly fire how do you lose your head like that and in the after the Liverpool game Pep said oh we lost control for 10 minutes and I think it was company on Saturday said oh yeah we lost control for 10 minutes it's really hard to have control in a football match for the whole 90 minutes. Uh, you know, any team, especially on big matches, it, when it's a big team against a smaller team and the big team just yeah, dominate from start to finish. That's the crux of it, isn't it? Yeah. If you, it, I mean, he's, if, you, if you come out after a defeat and say, oh, it was just about 10 minutes, that's sort of not normal. But, everyone but, everyone has at least 10 minutes where they're yeah, not on top of it. Minutes, sometimes everyone else. On the back foot, yeah. But losing control for 10 minutes doesn't mean every time you, need to con- you have to concede three goals. I mean, I, I, I personally think the second goal... I just thought it was exceptional. And if you look, when the ball comes in from Alexis Sanchez, it's actually behind. It's it's not a perfect ball from, from Alexis. I mean, maybe, you know, it's a difficult skill and everything. But if you see Pogba has to sort of crane his giraffe neck backwards to be able to, to be able to steer the ball past the keeper. And obviously you can always defend better, but you know he's coming. You can see him coming. 
That, that's yeah. what kind of gets me. And with the Herrera one is, as well. Okay, so maybe you don't think he's going to chest it me because it's Herrera. You think he's just going to shank it uh, somewhere. But, but you know... This one is more <laughs> obvious even, I think. The run of Pogba on the first goal. Because he comes from so deep with the... You know, I agree with you. The Maybe the Herrera sort of chests pass is a bit more surprising than the Alexis cross because you, you when you, you look at Alexis coming. you know Alexis is going to cross the ball that way but I can't believe no one picks up I mean Gundogan on the first goal I don't know I guess maybe Otamendi should do better on the second goal it's, it's unbelievable to make mistakes at that level like this but they but you they didn't, are ask, prone you to didn't ask why did each individual goal happen and what mistakes were made you asked why did so many get conceded in a short space of time I guess you're right they're, so, two, separate, they're two separate things so is the implication that they concede a goal, things aren't quite perfect, they lose their sense of control, and so as a result, players are more prone to individual errors? I mean, is, is that the Rudd theorem? Well, yeah, if you lose control, you're making mistakes because you're not in control. Okay, let me put my blue-tinted lenses on. Gundogan should have made it 3-0 at the start of the second half, and Ashley Young should have been sent off, possibly sent to prison. Um, <laughs> and it should have been a penalty for Aguero. Yeah? Which, qualified referee, what, do you, you want to tell us what Atkinson saw? He saw the ball being taken. He didn't see the um, the foul on the ball. How, how can you see one and not the other? I mean, it's not like you had a, he had a weird angle or anything. I can understand if he hadn't seen it. If he sees the ball being taken, he also or must told, see... Or he's told in his earpiece by the assistant. The ball was taken, and no, no one, no one, for some reason, nobody, nobody really saw the violence of the challenge, because the ball was taken. It was a bad mistake, yeah. It was a mistake, yeah. It was a serious, serious. It was a bad, bad okay, one. you count the Gundogan one as a goal, and you count this as a goal, and it's four-three, and City are champions, and we're not having this conversation, right? Spooky parallel universe time. I know. I want to talk to United a, a minute. I thought they were really poor in that first half. I mean, really bad. Was it them being bad or was it City being good? Both. I mean, City were excellent in the first half. There's a nice exclusive from Paul Hurst in the paper. There was no tactical analysis at half time. It was very little. I it think, was all yeah. about. It was all about Fine. find. We've got some great players. Go out and bloom and show how good you are. Yeah. And that actually was the key because it's the first time I've seen Sanchez play beautifully for Manchester United. I mean. He, he played really well, I thought. And a, yeah, definitely. And it's one of the first times I've seen Pogba's lack of inhibition, if you like, because he's happy to pop up wherever he feels like it. It worked, it worked. That sort of freedom of expression, that aggression. That it was, it, they, the, the big players who are supposed to be great because they're, they were so expensive and they came with the reputation, they actually woke themselves up. Well, but isn't that maybe the lesson? that If you've got two, three, four truly world-class players. Um, and again, I'd include David De Gea in there because he made a couple saves yeah, that yeah, an average goalkeeper would not have made. That at any time, you're capable of scoring a goal or, or, of, or of coming close. They came back from behind at Palace. They came back from behind against Chelsea. And that's another, you know, it's, it's another big game. I think it's what, six wins in a row now, or five, five wins in a row in the league. And I think they're showing a lot of character that maybe we didn't think they really had in them. There's a little backstory to this, which I think we probably need to we need to, to, to address at least because it it happened in the build-up of the game. I think it's an open secret that Pep and Mino Raiola are not huge fans and it probably dates back to Ibrahimovic, I think. 
when they were when Ibrahimovic was at Barcelona, I remember Mino saying that, you know, Pep did he say Pep needed a psychiatrist or something? And did Mino say something to prompt Pep's reaction on he Friday? Said it was a dog. Woof week. woof. Yeah, it was a dog. But what? <laughs> the context was well. Again, he said, you know, go back to all the Ibra Barcelona thing, and I can't remember the exact quote, but yeah, he he called him a dog. Right. And Pep's reaction was to say, "Oh, but Mino came and offered me Pog by Mkhitaryan." Yeah. To which I think Mino said, "Well, I never talked to Pep," but he didn't. He was careful to say, "I never talked to Pep," but it doesn't mean like I didn't talk to Bagidi Stein or Marwood or any of the other people who populate. Uh, City, and then at the final whistle, of course, we see you know Pogba and uh, and Pep embracing and you know having a few words. Is this just all like kind of WWE background noise? Or <laughs> <laughs> I thought when I heard it, I thought oh, Pep is good on there. You know, it's like he's that's his sort of mind games. He never does mind game usually. It's more Mourinho type of kind of thing. Uh, and I thought you know good on him if he puts the mess in there by saying like oh yeah. Look what happened. They tried to offload Pogba to us and me, no, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure it's true, I have to say. I'm not really sure. You think Pep is Pinocchio? I think Pep was playing some sort of mind games there. Hasn't been denied, though. I think Pogba was what? Pogba quite said strong, what? Yeah, quite a strong Tweeted response, what? maybe on Twitter. But I mean. Agents will often, yeah, often explore let's be possibilities. Fair. Yeah, uh, Mino Raila wouldn't be doing his job. If he didn't, I mean, look, with Mkhitaryan, you, you had a situation where the guy needed a home. He's yeah. a skillful attacking player, technically good. He'd be a fit at City. I'm not getting the starting lineup, but he'd be a fit. Pogba, I think, would definitely be a sit at Manchester City. They can afford his wages. The fallout between him and Mourinho is after... You know, he's after the transfer window. I find it weird that they try to 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 make him leave the club. That Mino said, like, okay, he has to go now. Let's offer him to, and then he called City, he called Real Madrid, he called PSG, and said, "Do you want Pogba? We can make it happen." I would find that really hard to believe. But may, maybe, maybe, well, maybe. But the whole situation between oh, is he the Pogba or Mourinho that we had at you know in February and March because there were a lot of tensions between them, came out after. The, the transfer window. Let's not but let's be more. Too much credit though. Making a fo- making a phone call to s- to the, to the richest club in England to say, do you fancy a very expensive player and will you spend a lot of money and give me a big cut? Isn't clever. It's just doing a job. Doing a very simple job. Equally though, if it's true, and I think we all find it plausible, do we give Pep some credit or City some credit? Because City are, you know. I don't want to have a go at them, but every football club leaks things when they when they need to, when it's appropriate. Wouldn't have been really funny if they had leaked that in January. I mean, if you really wanted to go and mess with United and their and mess with their heads, right? That's what you do in January. Say like, hey, look, yeah. we've been offered Mkhitaryan too. It's not just Arsenal. And look, they want to give us Pogba as well. Ha ha ha! We don't want your rejects, United. I mean, wouldn't that have been the kind of mystery? I mean, they were maybe too busy to leak stories about Alexis and how Alexis was making yeah. a billion pounds a week, <laughs> and yeah, they, they preferred leaking. all the they money. They were leaking. <laughs> yeah. They were busy leaking other things. You can't leak too many things either in the same like the same month or a couple of months. Yeah, that wouldn't be classy. To what degree do we think events at Anfield impacted City in this game? 
Well, it, I, I don't, I don't really. I mean, this wasn't City. I'm not making excuses for him, but this no, wasn't this no. wasn't City's best lineup, right? Yeah. No, exactly. And and in that sense, in the sense that they're not in the driving seat for the second leg of the Champions League game, you do have to plan ahead to a degree and think, well, I'll rest him, I'll rest him, and let's think about how difficult it's going to be midweek. I mean, I've been asking people involved in football and fans. How many City fans do you think would prioritise winning the title against Manchester United over winning through to the semi-final of the Champions League? And no, no, only only sort of like really weird Man United haters would have said this game was more important. So I've got people like that on Twitter who like I, I suggested, and I've got City go. fans who I know, I know, okay. it's not right, but, but who are like, well, I don't care, but you know, who I remember. Was it three years ago that Pellegrini, when they had a chance to go to the semi-final, or maybe they did go to sorry. So he rested a bunch of players in the league. They drew was against Real Madrid, I think. The the next game they were knocked out. But yeah, yeah. and people were just like, "Oh no," because I don't care. And I said, "Well, you know, surely Pellegrini's justified. He wants to give himself the best possible chance to win the Champions League." And they're like, "No, he's a loser. The UEFA are all corrupt because we don't care about that. We just want to win the Premier League." And I'm like, "You've already won the Premier League twice. You know, how about expanding your horizon?" But surely, from Pep's perspective given that he's only ever won the Champions League with Lionel Messi. I mean, he might... And his big boss wants the Champions League. And you're going to win the league anyway. Okay, it would have been nice to be on Saturday, blah, you know, all that narrative, the derby, etc. But you're going to win it next week or the week after anyway. It's not like if it's in Joe Party that, you know, you had to win the game. Otherwise, you might not have been sure to win it. How, so, stupid, how stupid would he look if he'd played... Completely, completely, yeah, exactly. Because derbies are, you know, they often end up being really quite violent or, yeah. or feisty at least, and things happen. You, he would look such an idiot if he'd risk playing some crucial players. I agree. Or just, just tiring them out. And same, and same for Klopp. Klopp did exactly the same. There was no way he's going to put his first team against Everton on Saturday either. And even it? more for him, after, you know, being 3-0 lead, having a 3-0 lead going into next week's game. All right, I don't like predictions, so I'm just going to ask for a percentage chance that City can overturn a 3 0. I mean, it's happened before that people have. It's happened before, never a 4 0, I think, but we've seen 3 0s being overturned, usually against Italian clubs, funnily enough. We've seen a 4 0, obviously, uh, recently. Well, I'm glad you love me enough <laughs> to not remind me. Thank you. That's right. Thank that was. You. Thank you. That's the only time it's yeah. happened, right? Yeah. But let's not go over Let's not. Let's just. We've all forgotten about it. Do you want to put a percentage chance on this, Julian? 15%. 1 5. 15. Allison? I'm going to go 20. I'm worried. It's probably good I'm worried. I, I hope, Klo- I hope Klopp's worried. I was really worried after the, um, the PSG 4 0 against Barcelona. I promise you, I was really <laughs> worried you? to the point that Were I didn't you? watch that second leg. See, it's funny. I mean, I, I'm assuming we all assume that Klopp's going to go and play, you know his Klopp-style football. But if I were in Klopp's position, and I would probably be wrong doing this, I would say, all right, screw this. Lovren, Van Dyke, all of you guys on the pitch. Klein, you're, you're playing on the wing. Sean, Henderson, and we're just going to boot the ball to... to, to money. Yeah, no, I, I seriously, I, I, I would play the, 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 the 7 0 Make it the most formation. Ugly, make it the ugliest game in your career. <laughs> you don't care. Well, we'd be you wrong. We'd be wrong because yeah, yeah. You know, and it's not I, analytics that. tell us it's wrong, and Klopp wouldn't go against it, and and whatever. But 
But wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you I be like, I just just counting down like, no space, nothing. You just like just put so everybody back. If there's bodies there, you just score one, move. two. No, Liverpool have in their history lost games by doing that. They don't do that anymore. When when when's that happen? Well, when they lost the title to Arsenal, I think you'll find that's what happened. Yeah, eighty nine. It's a different context though. Michael not really. Thomas. Not really. Liverpool did not in that match because Liverpool knew they had it sealed if they didn't concede two. two. They stopped playing football. It was a very bizarre game. They did not play the Liverpool way. They just stood around trying to just put a lot of bodies in front of the goal. It's there in the fabric of the club. You don't change your style because you think mathematically you've got it sewn up. Now, this season, with your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times, you can watch every highlight and every goal from every single game in the Premier League, the Champions League, the Europa League, and what's left of the FA Cup. It's just £8 for an eight-week trial. But wait, if you act now, or even if you don't, even if you act later, you don't just get the videos of the goals. You also get the excellent content from the likes of George Colkin, Henry Winter, Matthew Syed, Jonathan Northcroft, Alison Rudd, and uh, and a host of other talented writers. Alison, what was your favorite goal of the weekend in the Premier League? And I know it's not from the Merseyside derby because there were no goals in that game. Um, well, you've kind of spoiled it for me because you described so beautifully Alexis Sanchez all through it was to Paul wasn't it? Pogba. What, uh, so I won't repeat what you said, except I did love the way Paul Pogba jumped. He looked like he was an acrobat in the circus. His, and You could perhaps argue it was... Um, inelegant the way his limbs were flailing but I I liked the way he used every part of his body to make sure he reached as you said wasn't quite the perfect ball it was a very good ball to make sure he, he beat the keeper I, I, it was aesthetically beautiful and it was surprising because I've become rather bored waiting for Pogba to shine so it was a very classy goal and aesthetically lovely Julian I went for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's goal uh, yesterday against Southampton for Ooh, Arsenal. Like the unusual finish, the little stab. I like the uh, I like the movement. I like the Aubameyang, Iwobi, Welbeck, Aubameyang um, combination. I mean, there were three against seven, eight if you count McCarthy, the Southampton goalkeeper. Three against eight, and still managed to find space where there was no space, and to score that goal, I thought was superb. The flick from Welbeck, I was like. I never saw Danny Welbeck doing anything like that before, so I was pleased for him and for Arsenal. But that was a very good goal in what was very, very disappointing first 28 minutes for them. Well, we'll be talking more about that uh, Arsenal Southampton match right now. Actually, we don't don't wait. We don't need to talk about about it for uh, uh, for very long. But I think it's worth noting that a lot of us have been critical of Arsenal for a while, and they're still. Creeping up. I won't get into what the problem is, whether Wenger should resign and so on, because I think we've kind of been there and done that. But what I saw was was interesting about this game. Obviously, he's looking ahead to the to the Europa League. He made a bunch of changes. We got to see this this Reese Nelson guy, but it almost kind of blew up in his face, didn't it, Julian? Yeah, I didn't think they played well at all. I have to say, I thought it was really. Um... That's what they do. They pass the ball sideways for a long time. There's no movement off the ball. There's no intensity, not enough intensity. When everybody's playing with a lot of intensity, they don't do so much. And yeah, okay, they win. It's similar to the Stoke game in a way. I don't know. I know it was a B team and there was a lot of, 
you know, key players missing. But I thought Shkodron Mustafi, I mean, I don't know. I I can name you 150 defenders who would have defended better than him in that game. <laughs> um, and yeah, okay, they, they grind a, a win out and in the end it was good because it's three big points. But yeah, it's far from, you can't be satisfied by, I think, a performance like this. Are they going to catch Chelsea? Do we care? Does it matter? I think it matters, yeah, if you finish fifth, which is the same as last year. It looks like you haven't regressed so much. I guess if you finish sixth, it's another step down, I guess. I'm not sure it matters. I want to um, ask about Welbeck, because I, I I am kind of a Welbeck fan, and I thought, like, oh, he's just celebrated, and then scores two goals, maybe gets a little bit of respect. But then one of the goals is a deflection, and he fouls a defender for the other goal. I thought quite obviously. What's up with this guy? Is is he kind of done at at this level? Ooh, that's a that's a big question. No, I'm I'm wondering. I mean, if you presume well, we don't know what's going to happen next year, and it's Arsenal, so you never know. But it's a big. They question. have two center forwards, right? They've yeah. got a whole host of attacking midfielders. Ozil signed a new deal. Iwobi's going to come through. If you were Welbeck, should you say like, you know what? Why don't I go to Bournemouth and replace Jermaine Defoe and? Mm-hmm. Or or whatever you know should you should you be thinking in those terms? Well, he's he's done. If Wenger isn't there next season, Wenger adores him, absolutely adores him. That's he, why he's, he plays him so much. He doesn't when he doesn't play him. It's usually because there's a fitness issue, or he's coming back from a fitness issue, or he's been injured, or he's protecting him because he doesn't feel he's quite ready. But he does adore him and. Um, is prepared to give him time to keep improving and he has enough spurts of looking like a pretty decent striker who contributes to the team he's not just a target man he he can be quite creative he was also pretty instrumental in album young's goal as well yeah he's creative he's I mean, creative yeah, and yeah. and in fact i thought that was a better athletic, contribution than fit. than the other than the two goals he did score because yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's fair enough but and and also it's an interesting question because he may or may not go to the World Cup with England we don't know yet it's a possibility if he was to play between now and May he might and play okay he might he might be considered an option and then if you get to the World Cup and you have a decent World Cup or one that, where you are not embarrassed and you play a few minutes and look good then if Wenger isn't there then I think I think teams would be interested in him I think there might be another chapter in his career but it is a career where I just don't think he's ever had long enough, a long enough spell in the team to really tell us what he is, I don't think. I don't know, Julian, you've probably seen more of him than me, but I I think I think there's more there. He's not finished. I think there is true if he's fit. If he's, yeah, I think the fitness has been an issue. He's only 27, you know, and Wenger always says that a striker comes good between 27 and 32. That's where they are, their peak. But I think injuries have been a, a big problem. I think he hasn't scored. Yeah, Wayne Rooney's thirty-two, so that's. <laughs> yeah, no, but you know he hasn't scored. He hasn't scored in the seventeen Premier League games before yesterday. So I think the consistency is always going to be a problem. I know his ratio goals per minute played is not bad this year, but he also missed a sitter. And you think, how can you be so good on the Obama young goal with that flick, which is a great flick? And then miss that sitter, and you know, and score two goals, and just and I think we saw him against Milan in Italy, where he was very good, I thought, and yet still missed some very easy things. So I don't know if it's a concentration issue, or if that could come a bit later if he matured in his game a bit more. But yeah, at, at times he played, he almost looked like a, 
he was playing as a second striker with Aubameyang and maybe that's better for him than either playing wide or playing on his own up front. It's about the battle of the jacks. I, I don't want to dwell on this, but <laughs> Wilshire and Stevens, I mean, people didn't see this. Stevens, like, who is about twice Jack Wilshire's size, right? He's got Wilshire who's basically water skiing off his back, holding onto his shirt. He turns and brushes him away and he gets sent off. Now, Mark Hughes thought it was harsh. I'm not going to disagree with Sparky. What I don't get, too, though, is Stephen's shirt, which I'm assuming, I know that Southampton's shirts are, look, look slightly cheapo, but I'm sure it's not made of paper. I don't get it. You're a referee. What, will you think Stephen's ripped his own shirt? And what, what? No, he referee knew what Wilshire had done. That's why he booked him. Well, why don't you send him off? Well, 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 why are you sending Steve? Why you're you're being an absolute ass? You're doing it again and again. You're you're, I mean, you can't send someone off for putting a shirt. It's even if you put why it do you the send way, Stevens off then? Because he like raised his hand in Jack's face and and barged into him. Stevens, How else are you going to get this guy off you? <laughs> I don't. I mean, this you know, is, I think he's the, I, most, I'm with the most annoying foul. The most annoying foul for everybody who's played football is that kind of shirt pulling when you, you know, you're so going away with the ball. Don't don't react. Since when? That's that's part of your job not to react, even if it's the most cynical fall. Yeah, that I, I, I guess you're right. It just kind of annoyed me. It's annoying, but you can't I, send him off. You can't send Wilshire off, but you have to send Stevens off for the reaction. It's prejudicial against tall players, to be honest, because what, what, the only way Stevens can retaliate is to sort of lean into Wilshire, and the only part of his body that's there is his head because he's so much shorter than him. Wilshire couldn't be sent off for a similar foul because he wouldn't have been able to reach the man's head. Are Southampton doomed? I think most people close to Southampton would have said really disappointing to get nothing out of the game but they would have liked the spirit and the attitude and there were spells where they were completely dominating Arsenal and playing quite nice football. You've got to come away from that. If you've got anything about you as Mark Hughes as a manager you've got to come away with that and make that the launch pad for a spurt of points gathering that stops you getting relegated. Yeah, I think they're going to stay up. Chelsea on Saturday. And then they play them again in the FA Cup. Yeah, I mean, my thing is, Mark Hughes won 20 points out of 66 with Stoke, got fired by Stoke because he was not good enough. He think he, you know, that was not working. I find it weird that he gets a job like this in a similar situation, a similar context, and you think, well, didn't work before, but that's going to work for us. And I hope it does, because I, I like Southampton. I like people working at the club. I like Mark Hughes. I've got nothing against Mark Hughes. I just find it a bit weird that you appoint a manager with no momentum whatsoever, who's been pretty terrible in his previous job, the same season, not even this, the same season, in a team that has no momentum, lost all confidence, and you think, yeah, that's, that's going to work. The train is now approaching. Junction at platform iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Love the game? Then don't miss The Game Daily. It's your lunchtime update from football's finest writers, and it's only at thetimes.co.uk. We don't often talk about the uh, championship on this, and I want to make this very clear. I've said this before. It's because I don't follow the championship. Most of our guests don't follow the championship, certainly not to the same degree that we follow the Premier League. It's got nothing to do with snobbery, but it has to do with one of my pet peeves that a lot of times, and I think it's very obvious, you get ex-pros and journalists who don't follow the, the championship and then opine on the championship, usually by looking at the table and like, oh, Millwall are doing really well. Ha, ha, ha. Imagine them in the Premier League and other such insightful comments. And by the way, I mentioned Millwall because there's a very good piece by Gregor Robertson today in the game, which talks about how Millwall could be coming up. However, this week we will make an exception because on Friday night, Cardiff played Wolves, who, as I understand it, were first. They were first and second in the championship uh, at the time. And Alison Rudd was there, and uh, she got to hear this. Gary Medine against John Ruddy. Can Ruddy make himself a hero? It's Medine to step up, right-footed. Medine strikes it. Ruddy saves! John Ruddy saves! John Ruddy saves! He is the Wolves' hero! It comes back out to Goodison. Cavallero goes in. Referee's blowing. Oh, no, it's another penalty! Oh, can you believe it? 20 seconds to go! This is unbelievable! Here comes Hoylett to step up. Right-footed, and he says, it's back on the bar, it's back on the bar, it's headed goalwards, it's wide, it's wide, it's wide, the game's over, the game's over, the game's over, Wolves have won it, Wolves have won it, Wolves have won it, a quite incredible finish to a remarkable match. That was Mikey Burrows, who you heard from uh, uh, from Wolves TV, who Julian just said off air, he's quite a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Um, close personal friends of Julian's, clearly. Um... Allison, you were there. Pretty dramatic. Two penalty saves in the final two minutes. Yeah, unbelievable. And then it got even more unbelievable um, with Neil Warnock saying very rude words re- repeatedly. repeatedly live <laughs> on television. And you what had. Did you say? I can't say it. F off. He basically told Nuno to F off. Like literally like a thousand times, times in five seconds. And this is because Nuno didn't go and shake his hand after the game and instead went to. Yeah, it's the celebration I think that got him. No, it was. It, this is all. This is so heavy with irony. It's ridiculous. We've just heard the commentary. It was astonishing. I have never seen two penalties awarded deep into added time, both of them missed by the same team, both taken by different players. And the first penalty was a really good save by John Ruddy. So who's your cousin, by the way? He's distantly related because of the extra Y. And then his manager 
he said afterwards he wasn't trying to be disrespectful to anybody. He was just so taken up with how exciting that is, because this more this this victory more has more or less sealed Wolves' promotion to the Premier League. They could be promoted by the time most people listen to this podcast if results go their way. He just said, I wanted to run on and hug my goalkeeper. I was just so excited. And he's one of the more passionate... You don't watch the championship much, Gab, but he's one of those passionate overseas managers who celebrates every goal. I'm familiar with Nuno Espirito Santo. runs up and down. Lucky for me, Alison, he's a foreign manager, so... I've seen him before at Valencia. Well, he's carried times. that on in the championship. And, his and a goalkeeper staff, as well. His backroom staff always go crazy too. They're a sort of morass of celebration. And lots of opposition managers in the championship have got cross with him and his backroom staff over the season because they do go a bit over the top. But in this instance, it's really hard to think why, why you wouldn't. So he runs on and they get very excited and they celebrate. And then he tries to shake Neil Warnock's hand and Neil Warnock will have none of it. And in his press conference afterwards, Neil Warnock made some very harsh criticisms of this counterpart at Wolves. Oh, that's what they do maybe in their country, but not, 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 country. When, you, yeah, not when you come here, no, no, no on our soil kind of thing. Neil Warnock said that Nuno did not uh, understand British manners. Uh, he had no education of how, how we behave after a game and he lacked class. So I, <laughs> I was the one who drew the straw, short straw and said to him, you've just been accused of not understanding British etiquette and having no class. And Nuno looked at me and he said, I have managed in the Champions League. The Champions League. The Champions League. I have managed in the Champions League. At which point I had to say, yeah, I get, I get it. I get it. <laughs> and then he said, no one can accuse me of lacking education. Because you've managed in the Champions League. Because you've managed in the Champions League. In in other words, Neil Warnock has not. So who is he? Who is he to tell me I lack class or etiquette? He kind of let himself down there. I mean, all right. Okay, look. I I don't follow the Championship, but I don't find these two clubs particularly likable or these two managers particularly likable. For those who don't know, Nuno Espirito Santo was George Mendes' first client. Um, Go ask Valencia fans about what they had to put up with when thanks to Peter Lim... They became, well, just do some Googling before I get myself in trouble. Um, you've all read stories about what's happened at Wolves this year with the players who are in and why they're there and so on. On the other side, you have Vincent Tan and Neil Warnock, which kind of tells its own story. I don't know. I mean, I can, I, I think Warnock's kind of a fool for making such a big deal out of it. Frankly, the guy didn't shake his hand. It's happened before. People didn't throw hissy fits when it didn't happen before, right? As I understand, Nuno was willing to apologize. Well, he tried very hard to he tried shake very his hard hand to later. Apologize. And yeah, he wanted to apologize. But, the, but, the, but, but then also, but then he's also wrong to say, "Oh, look, I managed in the Champions League, so who are you?" I mean, come on. But the point, you know, but the underlying point it. is, just say Warnock's a so and so, and leave it at that. I did my part. I tried to apologize. My intentions were good. But the point is, there was so much at stake in that game, which is why the behaviour from both sides was odd. Because now, Cardiff are in this really strange position where they could end up having to go through the playoffs to get promoted when they looked odds on to be automatic. There's only two points between, as we speak, there's only two points between them and Fulham. And Fulham are on this incredible run. They are unbeaten this year. I've got loads of time for Cardiff because Mrs L is obviously from Cardiff. So we've got season ticket holders in the family. But I challenge any manager in a game like that, with an ending like that, not to go and celebrate with your player like Nuno did. And maybe it's a more continental thing for us, Gabs, and more, you know, not so much in Britain, but 
you know, it's it was it was a crazy thing. Yeah, I, there's a really stupid thing here, from as I see it, from Warnock's side, is that it's not as if the guy didn't know where he's trying to disrespect Warnock. I mean, they might have had words during the game because I presume Nuno has he's he's gone to shake other managers' hands this season before in other matches, right? So he didn't do it. He tried to do it later. He tried to apologize. Why you got to go and grandstand like this, Warnock? Warnock is by far not the best behave, yeah. mo- most exemplary manager ever. No, exactly. No, so Warnock's got a whole like, history there. You yeah. know, let's not bring up Jason Punchin. <laughs> More Google you can do. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, and, and as far as Nuno, to think, what well, you're somehow better because you've managed in the Champions League? You owe your career to one man, Nuno. Okay, enough of this nonsense. How about some quick hits instead? Chelsea are held 1-1 at home by West Ham, and Antonio Conte comes out and says it's a pity and that they don't deserve Champions League football next season. Alison, I assume you'll tell me he's correct. Well, he was. it's less about deserving. He was more just fed up. He was. He even used the bored word. I mean, it's really, really, your, your time is up when you start saying how bored you are. He's bored of the same old story. Teams above Chelsea are just more clinical, where Eden Hazard plays pretty football, but he refuses to shoot. I mean, it, it, is, it is slightly ridiculous that you can dominate uh, large, large portions of a game and just not get the return on goals. So in that sense, they don't deserve it because they're just not converting. That's part of football. They're not converting their nice play into goals. Yeah, you hear that, Eden Hazard? It's all your fault. Speaking of West Ham, it's Chicharito Hernandez who gets the equaliser. Julian, uh, he's a poacher. Uh, he has eight goals this season in 25 appearances. Should he be playing more? I think so. I mean, he his record against Chelsea, by the way, is pretty incredible. I think he's five in in six sub appearances yeah, against them, nine fourteen, whatever. No, but still, no it's good. To it. I think if you, it's always the same. If you play on his strength. He's amazing. If you don't, if you throw long balls or if you ask him to run in behind like, a, you know, Usain Bolt space, he's not going to do that. But like you said, he's a poacher. So if you put the ball Why in the box... not score more? Because I don't think when he plays, they play on his strength. Rafa Benitez is now openly campaigning for John Joe Shelby to get into the England team after another great performance in Newcastle's win over Leicester. Now, Henry Winter, on the other hand, told us recently that it'll never happen because of some things about John Joe Shelby that I should Google. <laughs> Alison, where do you stand? Do you stand with Henry or do you stand with Rafa? Well, Henry's right. It's not going to happen. But it, it's it, it's not going to happen because Southgate will not have time with John Joe in order to make sure he can get the best out of him and iron out the self-discipline issues that John Joe Shelby has. The fact that Rafa Benitez has stuck with Shelby, when a lot of managers would just say, I just can't, I, this is too big a headache proves that it is doable you can you can use him because Benitez sort of let Mitrovic go to Fulham because of the self-discipline stuff it is possible to do it and also England need they they, especially if Lalana isn't going to be fit they need someone who can distribute Christian Eriksen may or may not have scored two goals in Tottenham's win over Stoke on Saturday Uh, but either way he's in phenomenal form Julian who is more valuable to Spurs him or Kane and who should get credit for that goal? Bearing in mind that Harry Kane wants to win the Golden Boot. The goal should go to Ericsson. 100%. Why? Because there's not enough. If, if Harry Kane even touches it, brushes it with his shoulder, <laughs> that doesn't change the direction of the ball. The ball was going in anyway. So this should, it should be Ericsson's goal. 
right? Yeah, but you still want to give it to Kane because at least this way we can have a race for the golden boot. Right. Maybe just for that, then Kane can have it. And yeah. then... Come on, let's be nice. I will pick Ericsson, though. And that might sound a bit controversial. Because who provides the, the chance for Harry Kane to finish? Yeah, but Harry Kane scores when Ericsson's not there, too. Yeah, but Ericsson does assists even when Kane is not there, too. I mean, it's it's without, remarkable. Without Ericsson, Kane would have half the chances that he's had this season. It, it, it is pretty remarkable how that we're even having this conversation about who's more valuable, Kane yeah, or Ericsson, and it's, it's just a testament to what Ericsson's done. Yeah. Uh, but you think the dubious goals panel should take a moral stance on goals? Clearly, yeah. Jurgen Klopp understandably rang the changes, and the result was a very dull Merseyside derby. Allison, I assume you're okay with this because he's got bigger fish to fry. Oh, much bigger fish. And in a sense... They won the Merseyside derby because it would have really, really riled Everton fans that Liverpool just didn't care. Just didn't care about this at all. Let's just get through it. It was an irritant of a match to be got through. And the fact that Everton could not take advantage of that will hurt more than if it had been a defeat to Liverpool playing a full-strength team. Wayne Rooney was distinctly anonymous in the derby, and Paul Joyce uh, reports in Monday's Times that he's on the verge of losing a starting spot. And Joyce, he mentioned some numbers, which we love. He hasn't scored in 2018, and despite playing in central midfield, he managed to touch the ball just 29 times in 56 minutes. Julian, is it time to say goodnight? Yeah, and I don't think... It's not sad. The money here. Yeah, (laughs) no, but I mean, I'm not sure he's playing... He's being played in, in... in the right position for him at his age. It's the right position for him at another, at a different club. Yeah, I still think he can offer something, but I just think it's, it's the way it goes at his age. It's the end of the cycle and it's not sad or surprising. It's just the way it is. And you can't be surprised when, you know, he's not having the effect that you thinking he could have had a few years ago because that's not the case anymore. So it was always going to be at some point. You know, I know he had a good start of the season, but it's just the way it is. I just don't want to see him in midfield anymore. Gab, one for you. Three teams could have won the league this past weekend. Only one did. Tell us about them. Well, Paris Saint-Germain didn't because uh, they drew. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, And Monaco now have a 17-game unbeaten uh, streak in in the league. Um, Of course, we know all about Manchester City. The one that did, surprise, surprise, were Bayern Munich. Who, uh, it's their sixth Bundesliga title in a row. We've all spoken about the imbalance of power and blah, blah, blah. What I find absolutely remarkable is since Jupp Heynckes, who, who literally hadn't managed since 2013 and literally came out of retirement from, from walking his dog um, uh, to go and manage them, he's just rotated everybody continuously. He's managed to keep everybody happy that way. I wonder if maybe they're a bit untested and have lost chemistry because they got good draws in, in the Champions League and some fortunate breaks as well. But the upshot of this is that Bayern are really, really well-rested now too. And if they can come together in the Champions League um, in the semifinals, I wonder if uh, the most improbable storyline, Heinkes winning another treble four years after he retired, um, might actually come to pass. Hi there, and welcome to The Sweeper, which is the Times' fantasy football tip service. My name is Charlie Scott, and I'm joined, as ever, by Paddy Bombert. Hello there. 
And yeah, a bit of a disappointing week on the whole, I would say, for fancy Premier League players. Not many big scores, unless you have the likes of Paul Pogba, Christian Eriksen. They're the two main people who jumped out, would you say, and Danny Welbeck. Yeah, Welbeck was a bit of a surprise. You'd expect Eriksen, given the way he played against Chelsea the previous weekend as well. Um, it's obviously double game week time now, and seeing the likes of Eriksen and Pogba pop up with a couple of goals each was um, it's probably going to earn them a lot of transfers in this week, uh, and rightly so. Uh, and the same goes really for Alexis Sanchez. I think he looks he's looked very good for the past two games. Finally finding some form for United. Uh, they've got two games this weekend. Um, he is expensive, but it looks like he's probably going to be worth it. Yeah. Okay. And just touching on Welbeck, Arsenal are clearly prioritising the Europa League. Do you think he might start quite a few of their league games going forward? I think it's probably likely. The problem is that there's just going to be rotation across the league for teams who don't have a huge amount of play for left in the Premier League. But at those sort of prices, it could be worth a punt. One person who stood out for me and has done all season without me actually putting him in my team is Luka Milivojevic, the Crystal Palace central midfielder and captain. Uh, he's the only outfield player worth 5 million or less with more than 110 points this season. He's got 125, which is more than Mesut Ozil, Morata, Pogba and Lacazette. He's their top scorer and has 29 points in their past three game weeks. And importantly takes penalties which when you've got Wilfred Zaha and Andros Townsend in your team then that's quite a big deal Absolutely uh, They're a team who don't have a double game week Crystal Palace but they do have some nice fixtures uh, between now and the end of the season and if you don't have a free hit for the blank game week coming up then uh Vinovoyevich and Zaha I think are going to be pretty useful assets the double of course is this week and uh, there's plenty of players who you're going to want to look for Kane is probably the one that stands out whether or not he'll play two games with possible rest coming up with an FA Cup semi-final we're not sure but um, you know Kane's always capable of popping up with four goals here and there so um, he's going to be the most popular transfer I suspect this week yeah I guess I think rotation's a slight worry before those FA Cup semi-finals you've got United playing Spurs and they've both got this double game week Chelsea I mean they've got Southampton so they're probably less worried but um, United and Spurs might rest players but I've been really impressed by Dele Alli the past five or six weeks his stats haven't really tallied up between how he's been playing and his FPL points but he's exploded recently and has 37 points in his past four game weeks and with two double game weeks for Spurs before the end of the season and he's well worth consideration well, for all our advice on the upcoming double game week and beyond uh, you can go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash fantasy football uh, and sign up for our free email uh, or you can go to Facebook search for The Sweeper join the group uh, and post your questions and we'll get back to you Right, that's all we've got time for today. Many, many thanks to my excellent guests today, Alison Rudd and, of course, Julian Lawrence. Remember, it's just £8 for an eight-week trial if you want to subscribe to our newspaper. Just search The Times online this season in addition to our wonderful content. Uh, you also get the Sunday Times content. And you can access highlights of every game in the Premier League, Champions League, Europa League, and FA Cup. I won't be back next Monday. I'll leave you in the very capable hands of Alison Rudd after what could be yet another City defeat. It spurs up against Manchester City at Wembley. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. 
Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.